This week on Physio Foundations, I'm talking to Professor Craig Hassett from the Faculty of Medicine at Monash University, and we're going to talk about how health professionals and health professional students can look after themselves, look after yourself during your career or during your studying. Welcome to the Physio Foundations podcast for another week podcast about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation of expert clinical practice. So this week, I'm talking to Professor Craig Hassett about your health, not your patient's health this time, about how you can look after your health and your well-being while you work as a health professional or while you study as a student. So just as a reminder, this is a discussion, as all these discussions are in this podcast, aimed at health professionals and health professional students. So always seek the guidance of a qualified health professional with any of the questions you may have about your own health or medical condition. So Craig's been working within the Faculty of Medicine at Monash University since 1989, and he teaches into a number of other faculties and departments, including the Department of Physiotherapy with myself and our colleagues, and he's also a coordinator of the Monash Mindfulness Program. Um, So his teaching and research and clinical interests include mindfulness, mind-body medicine, lifestyle medicine, integrative medicine, and medical ethics. So Craig has developed medical curriculum that's been taught across the world. He's authored over 100 peer-reviewed papers. He's regularly invited to speak at conferences and courses uh, around Australia and around the world. And he's, he's also published a number of book chapters in over 13 or so books. And he's been featured in documentaries. And on top of all that, um, very well deserved. In 2019, Craig was awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia for his services to medicine. So I'm very lucky to have him here for a chat. So Craig, Thank you very much for coming on Physio Foundations. It's good to be with you, Luke, and uh, hello to you. Long time no see. It has been a long time. Just before we press record, we were talking about how uh, the you know the COVID lockdowns and the the restrictions put on face to face contact. I mean, we haven't really caught up for a, a number of years, but I've I've known you since two thousand and seventeen. You've been presenting to our first year physio students at Monash with the Health Enhancement Program, which is aimed at the health of the students rather than the students patients that they'll be treating so let's talk about that but i thought have i missed anything in my introduction go back i'm sure there's plenty i have missed there's anything else that you want to add to your background perhaps we can tell the listeners a bit about your background and interests and Uh, current projects fourth generation richmond supporter i'm not sure if that's the kind of thing you're meaning Uh, lover of good wine and uh and uh philosophy um I'm not sure I could I could go on for a while, but I think uh, I think that's probably enough. <laughs> sure, sure. And what about so I mentioned the health enhancement program, and that's where that's how we know each other. So you teach um, that component of the Bachelor of Physio course at Monash Uni. So w- what is the health enhancement program, and um, when did it start, and what are the aims of the program? Well, um, it's a essentially a mindfulness based healthy lifestyle program, and so it started, I developed a program to teach medical students firstly about looking after themselves because health professionals often looking after patients, but we forget about ourselves and that record of particularly mental health for, um, for medical students and doctors is the story is not very good. And so, you know, universities have to take this a little bit more seriously and see that the well-being of the student has to be an objective of their education, how you could study five or six years or, you know, physio for how many years of studying to be a health professional and graduate with worse 
mental and physical health and when you came into the course just doesn't make any sense to me. So, so we, I, I developed the, the program for the students, but also to lay a foundation so that what they learn and apply to themselves, they can understand a little bit more about how it might apply to their patients one day. So it's, it's mindfulness is like the, 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 the foundation, if you like, and then there are other um, lifestyle elements as well. It was first introduced into the medical curriculum in 2002, although there was a bit of mindfulness prior to that, <clears throat> but uh, 2002 and then um, based on an acronym, um, and the acronym is ESSENCE, uh, Education, Stress Management, Spirituality, Exercise, Nutrition, Connectedness and Environment. So addressing each of those elements, the stress management includes the mindfulness and mind-body area, but uh, each of the other elements are sort of built on that foundation of mindfulness. It's so important to consider your own health and have a plan and a strategy for your career rather than just waiting for burnout and, and illness and mental health problems to occur. So how does the health enhancement program specifically help uh, physiotherapy students? Or we could, I could broaden that to health professionals and health professional students in general. So you mentioned the components. Um, how specifically can the program be helping students? Well, just to take the mindfulness as the, as the, the main foundation. Firstly, to manage your own mental health better, to learn to manage stress better. But, but mindfulness has all to do with attention you know, and our ability to focus. So to listen better, to communicate better, you know, by having attention much more with the patient. Doing a procedure, um, for example, to be more attentive and present when doing that. Uh, to be aware of the decision-making process and um, aware of, you know, the various unconscious biases that often influence uh, decision-making and diagnostic skills. So to improve clinical performance in that kind of way, to reduce errors. Um, and also to have some strings to the, the bow one day when seeing patients who are dealing with um, physical stress or coping with chronic illness. They've got to have something more than just um, surgery and the script pad to go to. So what kinds of options can be recommended for patients that might be helpful for them? So to be informed about the therapeutic applications of these skills. And then to know, <clears throat> well, not only in what ways is physical exercise or a healthy diet important for your health to prevent or in the management of chronic illness, but also what are some of the strategies around behaviour change? I don't know if you're <clears throat> like me, Luke, and the rest of the human race, but um, behaviour change is not that easy. You know, we often have this mismatch between what I know is good for me and what I do. So we might know something's good for us, but we're not doing it. Or we know something's not good for us, but we keep doing it anyway. And so there's this kind of gap in understanding our own motivation, our own behaviour, making more conscious choices, and how do we change those behaviours in a, in a kind of a healthier way. And the only way as a health professional to really know how that health psychology works and, uh, and making those healthy choices is that we actually learn from the inside out, <clears throat> not just from theory, but we apply these skills to ourselves. And, um, and, and, and as well, if, if we're not looking after ourselves as a health professional, our clinical performance drops, burnout, poor patient care, increase errors, et cetera. So 
our self-care, and this is an important message, I think, as a health professional is not selfish. It's mm. an investment of the well-being of the people we're trying to care for. And sometimes it's only when things go wrong that you can really get some insight into that. But hopefully the the purpose of, of having a proactive program in place is that students will learn skills to avoid them getting unwell in the first place. I really like what you said there about it's not um, what just what you know, but what you do and that, that importance of behaviour change. And it's not just, and also the other point about improving clinical performance, it's not just fluff that's added to a program or it's not just something you would do on the side. This is a part of your core clinical competency is to be able to look after yourself. And then if you can do that, you will develop insight and empathy into what it's like for other people trying to change their behaviour and looking mm. after themselves. Mm. That's right, because it's not easy. As soon as we try and change our own behaviour for the better, we find it's not that easy. But, you know, as I was saying before about health, you know, when speaking to the medical students, and you might have some similar kind of stats for, for physios as well, but like a, a doctor with depression, for example, makes about six times as many medication and prescribing errors as a non-depressed mm. doctor doing the same job. And, um, and so this is a real call for us to see that self-care is a, an essential part of our responsibility to ourselves but also it's an investment in the well-being of our patients and um, so that, uh, you know, we care for both at the same time. Mm. And, uh, you know, we kind of, we'd care better for our car a lot of the time than we would care for our, our own minds and bodies and that just doesn't make sense uh, to no, me. It doesn't. Mm. So stress over the last few years has been uh, a very obvious problem affecting health professionals and health professional students with all the different restrictions and the ongoing pandemic that we're all living under. So and you, you've mentioned mind, mindfulness and the importance of not only looking after your body, but looking after your mind. So can you tell us a little bit about mindfulness? What, what is mindfulness and what's your interest in it and how can people find out more and, and start mindfulness training? Yeah, well, my interest in it arose really from my own <clears throat> student years when I, I kind of, what I would now say, taught myself mindfulness kind of intuitively, you know, to stay present, <clears throat> to learn to ride those waves of stress, you know, lead up to exams, to stay in the moment, you know, be on task, what you need to do. And so, and um, and even even things coping with you know sporting injuries and so on. I I, I kind of intuitively practice what I would now call mindfulness. But that and um, and things like meditative or mindfulness practices really helped uh, to cope with you know the stresses of being a student. So it it I suppose etched itself deeply into my psyche that this is very useful not just for myself but for patients as well. And then thinking, well, this is the kind of thing that we should be taught about in, in medical school, mm. especially when I became more aware of the, the burgeoning field of science and so on. So that I started teaching at Monash and finding a way to bring this into the training of our doctors. And then, of course, physiotherapy came on board, you know, some years later and saying we'd like something like that for our students. And we'd done quite a lot of research showing how much it had benefited our students, um, not just, you know, feels good, but actually, you know, objective measures of well-being and quality of life and mental health significantly improving as a result. So um, uh, so <clears throat> developed these courses and then worked with physio, nursing and pharmacy and dietetics and 
we, I think we now have um, close to 6,000 students each year at Monash who have mindfulness as a part of their core curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot, lot of research out there, a lot of applications of this one generic skill, which we call mindfulness, um, that are very useful for health professionals. And, um, uh, and look, I think it's, it's something that, especially in this modern distracted kind of stressed world, is even more important than ever before um, because we can't function well unless we manage our attention uh, effectively. So, yeah, so develop programs um, um, to, because there wasn't other stuff going on in the world as far as having it as core curriculum. There are a few elective programs here and there, but as core curriculum, we're the first in the world to introduce it as core, core curriculum, and it's kind of grown from there. The message seems to be that it's not just about health, but also about performance yeah. and um, in knowledge occupations and particularly in health professions where really your mind is all you have. We're surrounded with distraction. We've got these weapons of mass distraction in our, in our, phone, in our phone, in our pocket the whole time. And I do feel for the students sometimes having all of that uh, distraction around them and just, well, they need to just on their own develop these skills of, um, of putting all of that aside and studying. So do you have any specific tips for students for their, uh, for, the, for managing distraction and, you know, and developing perhaps a mindfulness habit or, or a habit in any other um, of the elements of the essence acronym that you mentioned before to, to help them through their study, to help them be healthy and perform as well? Yeah. I think if, if um, firstly, thinking of developing positive capacities, in terms of mindfulness and being aware of the, the, the negatives, the things that can really degrade attention. Mm. In terms of developing the positive strategies, like we'd, we'd realise, look, if you want to build up your, your biceps and so on, you go to the gym, you do some reps, <laughs> you build up your biceps, <clears throat> and you know it's, it's going to take time, but over a while that muscle gets bigger and it can cope with more load, et cetera. Well, we've got to take our brain to the gym. Mm and do reps for the attention circuits in our brain. And there are very specific, we know a lot about the neuroscience of this these days, but the very specific areas of the brain that have the important job of managing our attention, our ability to be on task in the moment, on point. You know. So, so when you're sitting down practicing mindfulness meditation, it looks like a person sitting in a chair doing nothing. Mm. Like get out of the chair and go and do something useful with yourself. What are you sitting in the chair doing nothing? But you're, you're sitting there and your attention goes off, you practice noticing, bring your attention back. It goes off again, practice bringing it back. That's like doing reps for the attention circuits in your brain. When we go off, wander into worry, overthinking things, worry, you know, et cetera, the brain's executive functioning areas switch off. All of a sudden we notice, you redirect, reorientate your attention and then practice sustaining your attention until it goes off again. You do the same thing. <clears throat> Now, what that does is it you take that out of the chair, whether you've been practicing for five or 10 or 15 or 20 minutes um, a day, however long, but you take it out of the chair and you practice being mindful in your day-to-day -day life. So you're a student trying to get some study done <clears throat> and you've got your notes in front of you and your mind just tiptoes off into a bit of a, oh, what if I fail? What if I've got to do a stuff? Oh, what if I blow up in the bosky station? What if I... Oh, what if this happened? And, and all of a sudden, you're not getting any study done and you're wandering into a world of pain, creating stressors, thousands of them that haven't even happened. But if you're able to notice, oh, there I go again, attention back on task. 
oh yeah, but what if I felt you know, back on task? So you, you're able to bring your attention back to the study or when you're with a patient and all of a sudden the patient's talking and you're looking at them and then you realize you're thinking about lunch, not listening to what the patient's saying. You bring your attention back and listen to what they're saying. So all of this is the informal practice of mindfulness, our ability to live and work mindfully for the other 23 hours and however many minutes in the day. And um, so, and if we can do that, then it helps enormously. Now, one of the things I used to do when I was, kind of made total sense to me when I was an intern, <clears throat> we used to have some very, very long shifts that are not legal these days, thank heavens for that, but um, very, very long shifts all day, all night, all day, all night, all day. And, and I realised that in the midst of a really complex series of clinical issues you're dealing with one after another, that there are lots of downtimes that you might have a two-minute walk from one ward to another. And it's either two minutes of rumination while you walk on automatic pilot. Oh, why, why am I even doing this job? I can't stand it. I've chosen the wrong career. This is too much. Okay. It's either two minutes of rumination or it's two minutes of mental downtime where now you just walk mindfully. That is, there's nothing more complicated happening now than just walking down a corridor. And what I used to find, whether it was in the middle of a busy day or busy night, I would get to the other end of the walk, but I had a calmer, clearer, more attentive state of mind to take into the next complex thing. And then there was a two-minute walk to the next ward, so two minutes of mental downtime. And then if if ever got a meal break, we didn't very often, <laughs> then it was just no more complicated than just tasting and enjoying the food. So <clears throat> living and working mindfully helped me not only to not get stressed and and um, uh, and totally depleted to sustain energy, but also to be more focused on the complex things we need to do and work. So that's the, the formal meditation practice, being mindful in your day-to-day -day life and keep simple moments simple because <laughs> hmm. we normally complicate simple moments with overthinking and worrying, et cetera. So they are three very practical things I think can be an absolute lifesaver, especially for new graduates and, and you know, working in complex um, careers like in physio. Mm. And the difference between ruminating and being mindful, being in the present moment, can be night and day, can be drastic. Mm. And it's just a, a change in that awareness mm. of what your mind is doing. So does our society discourage doing nothing or being mindful? In, and does it encourage us to fill every second with thinking and, and lists and goals? And mm. you know, there's it, potentially there's... Um, it's something that you, a journey you have to take yourself to get yourself calm and centered and mindful because no one knows what's going on inside your head. Yes. I think um, a lot of people who don't understand mindfulness seem, see it as a waste of time or see it just as a relaxation exercise to send yourself off to sleep or <clears throat> so on, which, um, which totally misunderstands what mindfulness is, is about. I mean, it can help us to sleep late at night, but it's actually not about sleep. It's about being aware, <laughs> quite the opposite. Um, and so uh, we don't kind of value it because we don't, you know, if, if we don't understand it. Um, but the, the other thing is that we kind of are, are getting drinking information these days, like we're drinking from a, a fire hose mm. and we're not managing the distractors very well. 
And so take something like technology in a phone. One, one of my favourite studies I, I cite to the students is like a, when a student, uh, for example, is um, performing tasks, their performance drops enormously if that phone is beside the, the laptop from which they're, they're having their test done. Mm. So even if, the, even if the phone is often face down, the fact that it's on the table uh, drops performance significantly because for the majority, the mind keeps going to the phone, which means it keeps on going off task. <clears throat> so the thing about managing the negative influences on attention or things that degrade attention are uh, to manage our technology well, mm. to turn off unnecessary notifications, take control of the technology rather than being bombarded by it. Do not complex multitask. Get good at efficient attention switching, but do not complex multitask. It's a recipe for disaster. Um, and in industries where they have zero tolerance for, um, you know, accidents like the airline industry, mm. pilots are very good at efficient attention switching, but they do not do two complex things at exactly the same time. One of the other things that degrades attention mm. is when we interrupt the flow of a complex task. You're doing a, quite a complex procedure or something's complex and you get interrupted. Not only do you notice when you come back to the thing you're doing before that it kind of takes you a, a minute or so to kind of, you know, where was I up to what and to remember. So it's a wasted minute. But also that's when errors are often made, omissions are made. And, um, and so to reduce unnecessary interruptions, there was a, one study estimated about eight and a half hours of uh, the working week is lost because the flow of complex tasks has been continually interrupted. So to minimise those things that degrade attention is a very important part of being able to be mindful. Setting your environment up and yeah. thinking ahead to anticipating those negative um, effects on your attention and then and those those they're typically the phone, the, the emails, the lists of things to do. But if you're a parent, there's children and you're working at home, that's always almost impossible to string together a few hours of work. But there's things that you can't control, but things you can control as well. So I'm thinking of our students now. We're going to be, we're going to be, you're going to be lecturing to our Monash Physio students in a few weeks' time, and they'll have they'll be back at the books doing their study. So, you know here's a perfect opportunity to take some of this. They've had its first semester, they've come on board and they're, um, you know, they're ready to go for a second semester. Here's a perfect opportunity to put some of this into action. There's so much more we could talk about. We've sort of focused on mindfulness there. Um, where, where can people go to find out more about your work, Craig, and particularly with um, your work at Monash University with the mindfulness program? Well, apart from, you know, um, if it comes up in curriculum for students, um, then to use the opportunity. But there's also uh, a Monash course we developed that's on the Future Learn platform called Mindfulness for Wellbeing and Peak Performance. So that's a four-week online, totally free uh, course. And it will walk you through about practices and reasons and how to apply this stuff in your day-to-day -day life. So um, that course, uh, we've had close to half a million people do that course, and um, it's the highest ranked online mindfulness course globally. Um, so, uh, and it's free. Um, so anybody can do that. So Future Learn, that's the the platform that it's on. 
Um, so, and if you've done that course, then the companion course, Maintaining a Mindful Life, uh, would be good as a follow-up course, which looks more at the sort of communication relationship, sort of the, the, the softer skills of mindfulness, I suppose you might say. People want to read a book um, of the books I've, I've written, Mindfulness for Life with Exile Publishing uh, is, um, I would say, the best all-round book that will give some lots of good practical strategies and approaches. Uh, and then there's a lot of good apps around. Um, so Smiling Mind and Headspace uh, are the two highest-ranked uh, apps globally, and Headspace particularly good for mental health issues, uh, although Smiling Mind is Australian and it's free. Um, mm. So that's a very good app to uh, to explore. Mm. I've taken some notes there and I'll add links to all those in the show notes for people who are interested. And as I said earlier, if people just Google you, they'll find a wealth of information on there as well. I know I'm mindful of your time, Craig, and really grateful for you coming on too. I guess, I guess this is an introduction to the important issues and some of the resources people can access. And um, hopefully we can speak again and take the conversation a step further. But Thank you very much for the chat. Thank you very much, Luke. It's been a pleasure.